G'day and welcome back to the 26, no, 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 22nd episode of the Bailed Up Podcast. Sorry, I got a bit mixed up there. Haven't had an episode for a while. I'm sorry about that. Got my cast taken off. I had a broken arm from playing footy. Um, and then I all, um, also got quite sick, so sorry for the inconsistency the last couple episodes, but before we get into um, talking about the segments, remember to go um, share the podcast with lots of people and re-watch the episodes because there's lots of interesting stuff that's happening in future episodes that you need to catch up on, otherwise you'll be a bit confused when these good things come out. The first segment on today's episode will be the Weekly Whack, where we talk about all the news that has taken place, lots of news around the cricket world, especially there's a lot of big things in the cricket world at the moment. Then we'll be talking about preparing for cricket season. Obviously, my cricket um, cricket uh, preparation for this year has been a bit um, substandard because of my arm, so we're going to talk about that. Then we're going to talk about a very controversial discussion, but I think it needs to be... Um, taken uh, taken some consideration over because it's happening in the world and I think something should be done about it, if, uh, which is our T20 leagues ruining cr- uh, traditional cricket culture. We'll talk about that and then we'll go into predictions where we talk, uh, where we try and predict something that's happening in the future. And obviously with the T20 World Cup defence of Australia coming up and the T20 World Cup squads coming out um, for a few countries, we're going to predict the first 11 of Australia's first game in um, their T20 World Cup defence. Um, let's get into the first segment for today's episode, which is the Weekly Whack. There's been lots of news in the cricket world, and you know what that means. This is the Weekly Whack. Yes, this is the Weekly Whack, where we talk about all the news that's happened in the cricket world now. It's been four weeks since episode number 21. This is episode number 22, so there's been lots and lots of cricket news. So let's get into it. The BBL draft has taken place with each club getting three international players each. Now, um, what it meant, there was a few levels so they got platinum players. There were four rounds of um, drafting players, platinum players, gold players, silver players, and then bronze players. They were all categorised. And then each club could take three international players. They could also use a pass and a, reten- a retention pick. So the retention pick meant they could... Um, get a player back that they've had in the past to play for their club again. So we'll go through those um, players now. The Melbourne Renegades got Liam Livingston, who's a platinum um, categorised player. Mujib Rahman, who was a gold player. And Akil Hussain, who is bronze from the West Indies. Adelaide Strikers used their retention pick to get Rashid Khan, the T20 leg spin champion, as a platinum player, Colin de Grundholm, who was a gold player from New Zealand, and Adam Hose um, from England, who was a silver player. Melbourne Stars got Trent Bolt, who was platinum, Joe Clark from England, and Luke Wood from England as well. Brisbane Heat stole Sam Billings off um, Sydney Thunder, who's a platinum pick. Colin Munro off um, the Perth Scorchers, it was. And then Ross Whiteley, um, who is a great... England player who was a bronze categorised player. Uh, Sydney Sixers got Chris Jordan back and uh, James Vince, and they also got Iz Halarahak um, Naveed, who's a bronze pick from Afghanistan. Uh, Perth Scorchers, my team, Laurie Evans, they used their retention pick to get Laurie Evans. Then they got Phil Salt and Ty Mills. 
Sydney Thunder got David Willey, who's a platinum pick, Alex Hales and Riley Rousseau, who's silver as well. And then Hobart Hurricanes, who newly employed the head of strategy, who is Ricky Ponting, got three Pakistan international players of Shadab Khan, Asif Ali and Fashim Ashraf. So that's some great stuff. I really think that the BBL draft is a really good idea because it's bringing more of these unknown, um, some really known international players and some unknown international players like Ross Whiteley and um, Fashima Shraf. So it's it's a really good idea in my opinion. Moving on to the next piece of news, Virat Kohli has made his first international sanctuary in 1,021 days in the Asia Cup against Afghanistan. He scored 122 not out of 61 balls on his way to India's highest international T20 international individual score. It was Kohli's 71st international sanctuary. That is just a mammoth amount of sanctuaries. I haven't even got one, so it's pretty good that Virat Kohli's got 71 international players, um, international sanctuaries. It just shows how much of a star and legend he is of cricket. Uh, or um, a lot of uh, coaches and people around the world have been saying that it's um, Virat Kohli's time is up in T20 internationals, and I really think he's made a statement there. He's only 33 years old, so I can see him playing for a few more years in the T20 format, and hopefully he can get some form in one-day internationals and test cricket as well. Speaking of the Asia Cup, the Asia Cup final between Pakistan and Sri Lanka will be played tonight. Favourites were India heading into the tournament, but they were beaten by both Pakistan and Sri Lanka, as Pakistan and Sri Lanka show some good signs leading into the World Cup. It's really good to see some of up-and-coming nations dominate in some T20 cricket versus um, India cricket powerhouses. So that's really good. And moving into the next piece of news, Johnny Burstow has been injured playing golf, so he had to make way for um, young gun English player Harry Brook for the test team. He has made his debut. The first day was washed out in the third test versus um, South Africa, while the second day was suspended because of Queen Elizabeth II's death. So they suspended it just out of respect because um, England's having a 10-day mourning period. Then on the third day yesterday, 17 wickets fell on the third day with the England Seamers bowling South Africa out for 118 and the South African Quicks got seven wickets as England ended the third day on seven for 154. Um, all this has been played at the Oval. It looks like a pretty green wicket to me. So the, it looks like from what I've heard, I've watched a bit of it. So it seems like the, um, the pitch... The ball's nipping around off the pitch a bit, so it's a bit difficult for the batters to play. So I can see how the seamers especially have gotten so many wickets. Only the seamers have gotten all the wickets in the match. No spinners have even got a wicket at all. Jack Leach is, plays for... Um, he plays for England, but they, uh, they've they bowled him a few overs, but they ha- he hasn't even got a wicket because it's just been quick don- dominance all day. Uh, Aaron Finch has announced his retirement from one-day international cricket after 54 games as captain and 146 total games. He scored 17 centuries and is a World Cup champion from 2015. The last couple of years, uh, not going to lie, Aaron Finch hasn't had the best form in one-day international um, games. He uh, even said himself that he thinks that retiring from... Um, 
uh, One Day Internationals and being captain as One Day International is going to make way for a, another leader and hopefully can reinvigorate the team for next year's uh, 2023 ODI World Cup. So Aaron Finch was an amazing player in One, Tana- one Day Internationals, but I think um, him leaving it at this time is a really good idea because hopefully we can see some more more success for our One Day International Cricket because One Day International Cricket is fading away a bit from the three formats of the world. And quickly, before we end the weekly whack, the Australian, English and South African T20 World Cup squads have been released. There hasn't been much updates to the Australian, uh, English or South African um Squads, but the main inclusion for the Australian and English squads are uh, for England. Alex Howes has been included for the first time in three years, and then for Australia, Tim David, the young, um, absolutely uh, great finisher who's been playing T20 leagues around the world, has um, come into international cricket. So we'll talk about more about him in a couple segments where we talk about T20 leagues um, with Tim David. So. That is all we have time for today on the Weekly Whack. There's been lots of news around the world, so hopefully I've crammed as much news into that few minutes as possible. Now, the cricket season is fast approaching. Now, as I said at the start, if you um, for the intro of the podcast, I have had a broken arm, so my preparation for this year's cricket season has been a bit substandard, which is a bit unfortunate because I really like my cricket and it's um, a hope. A lot of you guys listening um, also uh, love your cricket as well. So today we're going to talk about preparing for the cricket season. I'll talk about how I'm going to prepare for this year's cricket season. And then hopefully you can get in contact and say how you guys are also getting prepared for this year's cricket season. Because I'm saying myself, I'm very excited for this season. There's a lot of international cricket happening. BBL, women's um, cricket as well. So it's going to be a massive summer here in Australia and also over in India, uh, New Zealand. There's just a lot of cricket happening in the world right now. So it's really exciting. As I said before, I've had a broken arm, got my cast off. What I'm really trying to do is get some strength back in my wrist um, because I can I can write. It's with my writing hand, so I can't really bat yet, which is a bit unfortunate. So I'm getting some strength up. I'm um, got a stress ball, so I'm squeezing that, which is helping me a lot, getting a lot of strength back um, in my the top of my hand and also my forearm muscles as well. And then I'm also going to try and get some strength, work on my um, footwork a lot because that was a, a bit of a downfall for me last season. I got run out, I'll, to be quite honest, I got run out I think 11 times. So I probably need to work on calling and being confident when I'm at the crease a bit more as well. So there's those things I need to work on. And then also we I've, I'm a wicketkeeper batsman. So I've seen a lot of videos on Instagram by the Cricket Kid as well as the um, wicket-keeping coach. So if you're a keen wicket-keeper, go on to um, Instagram and look up them because they've got a, a lot of great drills that can really help your wicket-keeping. So I'm going to take inspiration out of those um, guys and try and help my wicket-keeping to become a better player. Um, but also when um, I'm going to try and work on my mental fitness. So one of the most important things, people think that cricket is just um, you stand out there the entire day, but it's, it's really not. Like the, the mental toll and physical toll it has on your body is absolutely ridiculous. So I'm going to try and work on that, and I hope a lot of you guys are going to work on that as well because 
I think uh, just me individually, I think the mental side of the game is as important as the physical. Like obviously, you need to be super strong and super fit to be a professional cricketer, but you also need to be confident in your skills heading into a match situation. I think that's what I'm really trying to work on this season. So those are the things I'm trying to work on. It'll be great to hear what you guys are trying to work on, and I'm really going to um, push this season to become the best player possible. Um, check out those people on Instagram. There's also Cricket Mentoring on Instagram where they have heaps of drills. And we're going to also have a few people in um, giving you some insights. So if you got this far into the podcast, you got a bit of a preview um, that we're going to have a couple professional cricketers coming into the podcast and talking about how they became a professional cricketer and all those things. So we're going to continue this small series. So you guys at home that, who are passionate about cricket, who like playing cricket, um, and then also people who don't um, haven't played cricket in a while can also hopefully pick up the bat or ball or whatever you uh, whatever your best skill in cricket is. And hopefully we can get those guys on the podcast and have a good conversation to them about how they became a professional cricketer and the whole process about that. So that is all for this segment and moving on to the T20 Leagues conversation. T20 Leagues. Ah, let's have a talk. Um, as many of you might know, T20 a T20 um, in general has been a saviour for cricket in general. Uh, the first T20 international game was played in 2007, uh, where I remember hearing a, do- a bit of a documentary where Ricky Ponting and Glenn McGrath just thought it was a bit of a joke. They were playing against New Zealand. They just thought it was a joke how they didn't think it was going to work, all this I really think they were wrong, and a lot of people think they were wrong, and they think they're wrong because they were wrong. So T20 cricket has been a great implementation for cricket in general. There's a lot of kids getting excited about cricket, and it's a great way to get lots of people involved in cricket, and the growth of cricket after um, uh, T20 cricket has been really good. So I'm grateful about that. But one thing I'd a bit concerned about is whether T20 leagues are ruining traditional cricket culture. As many of you may know, cricket culture always told budding cricketers that international cricket is the height of professional cricket or just any um, cricket in general. Although with the amount of T20 leagues around the world now, for example, IPL, CPL, BBL, The 100 ETC, um, etc., the 100 isn't a T20 league, but it's a it's another type of short format league that is getting lots of people involved. You could also say that the UAE um, T10 league is also um, one of those leagues that's in that realm of T20. It's a short format type of game. These players are getting paid millions for domestic tournaments, and this is where we get to it. Players like Tim David have made a name for themselves in these T20 leagues. Tim David started as a... Um, a great player in WA, became a uh, state-contracted player. He got delisted from the state contract. I think that was a bit of a bad idea from Western Australia, not going to lie. He started playing for the Perth Scorchers, got to the Hobart Hurricanes, started playing international cricket for Singapore, but then he started playing all these T20 leagues. Getting He got paid in the two millions last year for Mumbai Indians um, in the IPL 
it's it's an amazing amount of money. But he even said himself he's he was a bit disappointed that um he didn't get to play as much cricket for the Mumbai Indians. The Mumbai Indians really struggled um for any type of form in the IPL earlier this year. Tim David only played two games. He's played in the CPL, all these different tournaments, and it was it's only been till um the other day that the T20 World Cup squad has been announced that he's really um, getting interested in international cricket. He said in the interview after he got announced in the T20 squad that he'd pretty much uh, given up on hope to become an international cricketer. He didn't think he really had a chance anymore. He re- he did, though, because he's an amazing player. It's great to see him get included in that squad because he really deserves it. But one thing I <clears throat> dislike about these implementation of so many cricket leagues is that for example, the 100 is running at the same time as test matches in um, England. Like, the 100 is a great way to get the growth of cricket going. But, in my opinion, test cricket is the, the, the heart of cricket, and it always will be, because it's an amazing part of cricket. It's a long-format game. It's a, it's a test, and that's what the, the game is designed to be. It's a test of physical and mental strength. And I think that having the 100 and test matches at the same time is kind of taking away from the point of traditional cricket culture. And I think if you don't want that to happen, you have to reschedule the way your the English summer is working. It's not only happening in England. There's, I think the scheduling in Australia, there's a lot of cricket happening in Australia this summer. But I've looked through the scheduling. The scheduling in Australia has been a lot better compared to the um, ECB scheduling. That's no offence for, for me. That's just my personal opinion. The ECB is having the 100, the Vitality T20 Blast, the Royal London ODI, the One Day Cup. There's a whole... The county cricket is getting a bit pushed to the side now, which is a bit disappointing because there's a lot of up-and-coming players. There's test cricket as well. There's all these international games that are getting taken over by T20 leagues. And then we have a whole bunch of international players making way for international duties because they want to go play IPL. Like last year, or early this year, sorry, Kagesa Rabada, who is a great, great bowler for South Africa in the test side, said he didn't want to go play test cricket and he went and played IPL instead. And I really think this should be talked about because there's a lot of these players that are making way for international duties to go play in T20 leagues. And there's a lot of former cricketers such as Mark War, all those um, former professional players saying that there's a lot of these players playing together and they're being too nice to each other on the field. And I just don't think that's right. I think the, the that's the one part of T20 leagues I'm really enjoying. The games are really good and all this. And they're developing um, the, uh, the sportsmanship of cricket a bit more. But the main part I'm disliking is that they're pushing aside international cricket for, um, tradi- uh, for just T20 leagues. I think that these T20 leagues are helping some players like Tim David to become t- uh, international players. The IPL is helping a lot of players. Hayden Kerr is another one. He played for the Sydney Sixers this year. He was in line for um, Australia. He's been a massive inclusion uh, in Australian cricket. But there's just a lot of these things that are happening around the world that I think are pushing aside the international cricket, which in my opinion is a bit more important than T20 leagues. I think we have to talk about this and that's the end of my discussion because that's 
honestly what I think, that these T20 leagues are ruining traditional cricket culture. And even though it's causing the growth of our game, which I personally think I want more people getting involved in cricket, I think that it's wrecking the whole idea that budding cricketers should be looking at the height of cricket. And the height of cricket is kind of not saying um, international cricket, it's just saying earning lots of money playing these T20 domestic leagues. And I personally, I don't think that's the way to go about it. If you're struggling for these international cricket, there's a lot of people who are saying that international cricket should be the height of cricket and not these T20 leagues. Then the scheduling from the ECB, the Indian Cricket Association, the um, Cricket Australia, all these um, big cricketing nations, the West Indies as well, they should really prioritise international cricket. Even though these domestic leagues are uh, causing the growth of our game, I still don't think that some, only some of these budding cricketers think that the height of cricket is, isn't in international cricket and in my opinion it's it's not just about my opinion but I think a lot of people around the world are saying the same thing that the height of cricket should be international cricket and hopefully it can be for a long time uh, these T20 leagues aren't necessarily ruining cricket culture in some cases they're actually boosting cricket culture but just um a lot of people are saying around the world that these international players are pushing aside international cricket to earn the big bucks playing in these T20 league competitions. Let's predict something. Time to predict with predictions. Now, the T20 World Cup squad got released the other day. I'll read out that now. The inclusion of Tim David has been a massive one. There's not many other inclusions into the squad apart from Tim David. Obviously, you might think that Aaron Finch is in that squad. Aaron Finch hasn't actually retired from T20 cricket yet. He's just retired from um, from one-day international cricket, not T20 international cricket, which I think is a good idea because he's still a great T20 international player. You can see, see the likes of Steve Smith in that squad. A lot of these good players are in there. Matthew Wade said after this tournament that he's done with international cricket pretty much. He's 30 six years old he's been a great cricketer for a long time so hopefully we can see him play a few games in the t20 world cup because in the last t20 world cup he was the turning point for the australian team now let's get on to my prediction we're predicting the first 11 for australia's first um game in the t20 world cup um Defence, I think we're opening, of course, with David Warner and um, Aaron Finch. Aaron Finch hasn't had the greatest form. I think he's going to come back a bit in this tournament because it might be his last T20 tournament, you never know. And then also David Warner's had some great form. Last year was a, a great tournament for him in the T20 World Cup. And number three, sticking with Mitch, uh, with Mitch Marsh. He didn't play in some of the T20s um, earlier in September. There has been some cricket going on in Australia uh, earlier this September. So I think he should stick at three, make way for Steve Smith. But I think I'm pushing Steve Smith back um, to number four. He's shown some good signs in the white ball formats um, in the few games they've played earlier this September. So I think you should include him in the squad just because he's that real rock in the centre. And Andrew McDonald has brought about a sort of mantra for him that he's not just the rock of the team, but he can also play expansive shots, which I think I've seen him play in the few games I've watched uh, um, in the last few weeks. 
At number five, I think I've got I've got to go Marcus Stoinis. He's been a great player for a long time, and I think he could really be a great um, big hitter for Australia. He played last year. He was another turning point for us um, for Australia. So I think that will be a great inclusion to the game. Number six on my prediction will be. I think I've got Glenn Maxwell in there at number six. Isn't his typical spot? He usually plays number uh, seven or eight because he can bowl some handy overs um, as an off spinner. But I really think that some firepower in the middle will be great because we've had a Marcus Jonas before. He can be a big hitter, but then we've got Glenn Maxwell with his innovative um, shots as well. Then after at number seven, usually the wicket keepers position. I think we got we've got to go. Um, uh, Matthew Wade, it's his pretty much last tournament ever. He's pretty much said that he's a great wicketkeeper. It's either been between him and Josh Inglis. Josh Inglis is a great player. I think I've got to go Matthew Wade for this one. At eight, I've got Ashton Agar. Can bat really well. He's a great bowler as well. So he's a bit of an all-rounder type. Then i got to go Mitchell Stark. He's a great... Um, great bowler and he can also really be a handy big hitter at the end of the overs so that is number nine number 10 I've got to go Josh Hazelwood the last couple years he's really been the turning point for t20 cricket in Australia and then at number 11 to finish off my team I've got to go Adam Zamba uh, it's in Australia this time. He didn't get many games last year in the T20 World Cup, but he's a really good bowler in, uh, in Australia, Adam is He's always attacking the stumps as a leg spinner, so hopefully we can see him in the side. That is my 11 predicted. That is what I think Australia will come out for their first match in the defence for the T20 World Cup. Moving on to the outro. Thank you for listening to the 22nd episode of the Bailed Up podcast. Lots of great things coming ahead for this podcast. Go check out my Instagram. Check out the last podcast. Share the podcast with everyone you know. And remember, there's lots of things coming, so keep on listening to these podcasts. My name's Albie. Albie's out. 